Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Timothy was to go ahead and take charge over that congregation and to declare, man, don't teach any other doctrine. Don't teach false doctrine. Paul had declared the fullness of the gospel during the two years that he initially was with the church there at Ephesus when it was birthed, and he stayed for two years to get them founded within the word. He had written to them in his letter, his epistle to the Ephesians, and now he has Timothy there working with them all of this and yet problems still continue to surface and the church was still involved in that struggle of false doctrine over pure and true word of god while many of us might think that false doctrines aren't spread very often paul's letter to timothy would say otherwise ever since the beginning of the church in the first century our enemy seeks to deceive and lead as many astray as possible in today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the stern warnings that Paul gave to young Timothy regarding false doctrines in the church. In our study, we learn the importance of studiously taking in God's Word so as to defend ourselves from being deceived. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Holding to the Truth. When Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, the impact of the words that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus can't be lessened at all. As a matter of fact, we, we can't make it too high because the word or the question that Pilate gave Jesus was, what is true? And it never ceases to amaze me when I think of that. Truth is standing right in front of him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus was the one that declared, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He was very narrow-minded in that way. But it was the truth, and we either accept the truth or we deny the truth, and we face the consequences by that denial. Today we're in the book of 1 Timothy as we're beginning our series on First and Second Timothy and, and Titus. Actually, we began it a couple of weeks ago. Last week we got into just the first couple of verses. We're not going real far this week either. We're only going to be in verse 3 and 4. But I want you to bear with me as, again, we're laying the foundation of really what this whole book is about and the impact of this book, the impact of that letter to Timothy for the church in Ephesus that he is pastoring and how that really does truly impact you and I. It's, it's not a, an ancient word that is just placed in the relics of antiquity. No, this is a living word that touches our hearts and lives, and it should impact us, not only as a church in general, but it should impact every one of us personally and in particular. We're looking this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look with me as I read verses 3 and 4, if you would. 
Paul writes to Timothy, he says, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. As I shared with you last week, Paul and the company, they'd, they'd come to Ephesus actually during the second and third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. We find in the book of Acts that the church of Ephesus was actually planted, actually began during that second missionary journey. Timothy had been traveling with the Apostle Paul along with Silas and some of the others during that second missionary journey. And then as Paul faced imprisonment after that second journey. He was placed uh, actually in home arrest in Rome. Timothy continued to remain with him, continued to minister to his needs, continued there while Paul was under house arrest. And it was there in Rome while under house arrest that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter back to the church at Ephesus. The letter that we have, the book of Ephesians that we have within our Bibles. Now the main theme of the book of Ephesians that, to that church there is that again, the church is truly the body of Christ. Paul writes in that letter to the church in Ephesus in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he writes these words. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is the letter that Paul wrote to that church while Timothy was still with him. So the church already had that directive, that, that, that instruction for them as a church. Another main theme that we see in the book of Ephesians is the keeping of Christ's body, that is the church, and her message, keeping them pure and keeping them holy. Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter 5, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us, and he gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. These are the words of Paul to the church there in Ephesus. Well, from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 on through 6.20, Paul continues to give the Ephesians this practical advice, how they need to live, how they need to live their lives holy and pure, how they need to live their lives as a God-inspired lifestyle. Now, after being released from prison, Paul then continues on in what is known as his third missionary journey, and Timothy is with him as well as others. But when they get to Ephesus, Paul is urged, he just feels a leading in the Holy Spirit to leave Timothy there to watch over the church in Ephesus while he continues on in the urgency of his third missionary journey. So Paul gives Timothy that responsibility of carrying out all the instructions that not only he had written to Ephesus earlier on, but also that Timothy understood just by being with Paul for the number of years that he had already been. And that's why here at the very beginning of his letter back to Timothy, after Timothy had been there for a while, he says, charge some that they teach no other doctrine 
nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Beloved, it never ceases to amaze me whenever I, I ponder these things is how quickly the gospel message can get perverted and, and twisted and, and turned around. Not only do we see that changing there in the city of Ephesus, but we look at the writings of almost to almost every church that we find in the New Testament, and they're coming against this, this perverting of the doctrine, this changing of the ways, this listening to other men's tales rather than staying true to the message of the gospel. Paul understood that this charge or this instruction that he gave to Timothy was going to be an ongoing battle. It's not that we, we as pastors or as leadership come to a church and say, hey, here's the word of God. This is what God says. Now walk in it, and then we can just move on and go on. No, it is a continual thing. Why? Because you and I, just as people living in this world, we're pulled so many directions in so many ways, and how easy it is to, again, either forget or get sidetracked from what we know we ought to be doing. The battle against false doctrine, the battle against a feel-good type of a teaching never, ever ends. It was going on in the first century, and guess what? 2,000 years now, and it's still going on. We're still battling with it. So again, we look at this. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite uh, Bible commentators, he reminds us, that the word that, that Paul used to charge, I charge you, that they teach no other doctrine. That word that he uses there is actually a military word. It means to, to give strict orders and strict orders from a commanding officer. And again, it's, it's not an option. Timothy, I charge you. This is what you need to do. It wasn't up for debate. It, it wasn't up to a congregational vote. Timothy was to go ahead and take charge over that congregation and to declare, man, don't teach any other doctrine. Don't teach false doctrine. Paul had declared the fullness of the gospel during the two years that he initially was with the church there at Ephesus when it was birthed, and he stayed for two years to get them founded within the word. He had written to them in his letter, his epistle to the Ephesians, and now he has Timothy there working with them all of this, and yet problems still continue to surface, and the church was still involved in that struggle of false doctrine over pure and true word of God. Now, Paul couldn't remain there at the time. He left Timothy there, and still Paul had a plan. He had a desire, actually, to come back to them during that third missionary journey. As a matter of fact, he writes to Timothy here in this letter, in chapter 4, he says, Till I come, give attention primarily to these three things. To reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. To reading, what, what are they going to read? The, the, the latest Gallup polls, the, uh, the, the uh, New York News and World Report? No. What are they reading? The, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. That's what they had. Plus they had the writings of Paul and some of the other apostles that had been spread out to the churches at that point in time. He says to reading and also to exhortation. Well, what's exhortation? Exhortation is encouragement and direction and correction and instruction. All of these things to direct the church to be the men and the women and the young people that God has called us all to be. And he says, and to doctrine. Let me let you in on a secret here. 
Doctrine is not a nasty four-letter word, okay? Doctrine is good. You and I need doctrine. You and I need the truth because doctrine is the teaching of the word. And if we don't have the solidness of the truth undergirding us as the foundation of who we are as men and women, of who we are as believers, if we don't have that right, gang, we're going to be led astray. We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be empty. There's not going to be strength for us. When the battle comes, the foundation is not going to be there. Paul also wrote to Timothy with this idea that he's coming. He's going to come back again. He says, I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. The ground of the truth. How important truth is. Paul laid the foundation for that church. And now Timothy was, was to come in and actually repair some of the areas that that foundation had, had been cracked, had been tried to be chipped away. Timothy was there to, again, redirect some of those false teachers, to get back on track, back to the purity of the gospel message, to set everything in order. But before he returned, Paul wanted to be certain that these false teachers wouldn't be able to rise up and teach these other doctrines. I charge you that they teach no other doctrine. Now, Paul wasn't really clear about what doctrines he was talking about. He just said false doctrines. But we see historically, we see biblically, that one of the false doctrines that was going on during that time is what we call the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers were Jews that became Christians, and yet they were trying to pull the laws of Judaism into Christianity. So those that had broken free from the law because of grace, Judaizers were now again trying to lay that law back upon him. That these professing Christians, they were still bound by the Jewish law, by the Torah. They tried to mix grace with, with law and beloved. Jesus fulfilled the law in order that you and I might live in grace. Not that we disregard the law, not that we throw the law out, not that we, again, live in, in, a, in a helter-skelter and godless life. No, but we live because of grace. We live because of the love of God. We obey God. Totally different mindset, totally different understanding. And again, these that were coming in as Judaizers, they were causing great havoc within the church, particularly among new believers. David Guzik, another good writer, uh, uh, commentator, he says doctrine is vitally important to God. And because it's important to God, it ought to be important to you and I. Today, what one believes, that is their doctrine, is staggeringly unimportant to most people. It's at that point. I don't want to let you know today... I. I'm going to give you a lot of information. It's a little bit different kind of message this morning. We're not going to go verse by verse. I, I again, want to lay the, the foundation of why it's so important of what Paul is writing to Timothy, why it's so important for you and I to be well grounded within the Word of God. There is an enormous move. It's always been there. I understand that it's always been there. But I believe that in these days, in these last days, 
the move is escalating. And sometimes, even under the guise of Christianity, but the move is escalating to cut up, to, to remove, or to destroy the strength of God's Word. Particularly when it goes against the flow of the ever-changing cultural moralities and standards. Let me ask you, church. Should the Bible change according to the standards of our culture? No. We, as the church, with the Word of God, need to maintain that, that, that foundation. And through that foundation, we, as the church, need to impact our culture. Now, we may do it in, in, in a different way, a different style. The message may come across in a different style, but the message can never change. It can never be watered down. Again, the attacks on the Word of God, and they're just overwhelming, and you could, you, could, you could spend a lot of time looking and understanding all of these attacks that are coming on the Word of God. Bear with me here as I share with you some. Some of the attacks, how about millions and billions of years of accidental evolution being taught as fact within the public schools from preschool, actually before preschool, you can look at children's cartoons that four- and five-year-olds are watching and speaking again millions and billion years of accidental evolution being taught all the way from the smallest of children all the way through university. Even a mention of intelligent design, that there must be an intelligent designer in the midst of this, no, no, they, they won't allow that. And they definitely will not allow creationism, a teaching of creationism, even if it's just listed as an alternate concept. Now, we believe in evolution, the, the, the schools might say, but here's an alternate viewpoint. No, they will not even mention it. How about the biblical mandates of one man and one woman as husband and wife for life? That's being thrown out, and again, the courts throughout our land are now forcing every state of the union to recognize and support same-sex unions. To pray in the name of Jesus is being disallowed by military chaplains. The words and the message of the Bible have been watered down to simply be stories or, or myths by many of the mainline denominations and even their seminaries. Young men and women are going to seminary and their seminary professors are speaking about the myths, the allegories. They say that Adam and Eve were simply allegorical. That again, the, the creation narrative was, was, was just simply man's way of kind of throwing together kind of how things came and how they went. Well, let's just go ahead and take our Bibles this morning, turn over to Genesis chapter 1 and rip out Chapters 1, 2, and 3. Destroy them because they're of absolutely no value. How about the virgin birth and the resurrection? Again, even within our seminaries and within many mainline denominations, being removed from their teachings because they're not really important. After all, Jesus was a good man. He lived a good life. He taught the goodness of God. All we need to do is understand the teachings of Jesus. We don't need to worry about the virgin birth. We don't need to worry about the resurrection. But beloved, I tell you this, the Apostle Paul says, if you don't worry about the resurrection, 
you're missing the whole understanding of what Christianity is all about. As a matter of fact, if we don't have the resurrection, the Apostle Paul says, we are of all men most pitiable. Because if there is no resurrection, then guess what? We have absolutely no hope. Let's go ahead, eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die, we just settle into the dust of the ground, and we are no more. That is if you don't believe in the resurrection. The virgin birth, the resurrection, both foundations of our faith. Even today, a clear, listen, I just found this out. As a matter of fact, it was Roger Phillips that shared this with me. Roger and Sue went to a, a conference up in the Scottsdale area a couple of weeks ago. A clear declaration of the doctrine of the virgin birth is being denied by Wycliffe Global Alliance. Now, they are now, they are now a former part of Wycliffe Associates. Wycliffe Associates, that worldwide Bible translators. Wycliffe Associates have, have severed ties with Wycliffe Global Alliance. The Global Alliance is saying it's too hard for the Muslims to accept the virgin birth of Christ. So we're going to backpedal away from the virgin birth in order that we can give the message of Christ to them. Thankfully, Wycliffe Associates have parted company with the Global Alliance. Wycliffe Associates said, man, you need to give them the truth and the whole truth, because otherwise it is a powerless story that you're speaking to them. Even today, whether it be popular magazines or whether it be internet news sites or broadcast television news sites, they continue to attack the reliability of the scriptures themselves. For example, one article declares, centuries of scholarship have turned up little evidence concerning the, that Jesus or that Jesus' closest disciples did much writing at all. Okay, we removed the first three chapters. Let's remove the first four books. As a matter of fact, we might as well remove all of the New Testament because it's the disciples, it's the followers of Christ that give us our New Testament. As I shared before, uh, much of what Paul has written and, and much of what Paul has even addressed is, I, Paul, writing to you. I, Paul, an apostle. I, Paul, a bondservant, writing this letter to you. They say, no, it wasn't really the Apostle Paul, it was somebody else. Even though church fathers through the centuries have agreed and understood, even to the closest of times that we have, those letters were affirmed. No, these are from the Apostle Paul. That's the strength of these letters. Over the last 10 to 20 years, we've seen organizations rise up. Some of you might be familiar with, uh, it's called the Jesus Seminar. The Jesus Seminar. And you might think, wow, the Jesus Seminar. That's a cool thing. I want to go to a Jesus Seminar. Well, the whole thing of Jesus Seminar, it's about 60 to 70 liberal scholars. They come together and they conclude that actually a very small portion of what you and I have in our New Testament as being the words of Jesus, that Jesus spoke these things. They say, oh, no, no, no. Only a very small part of that are actually the words of Jesus himself. At the same time, they accept non-canonical writings like the Gospel of Thomas and a lot of other unreliable and inconsistent.
We're so glad you joined us today for The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. If you've enjoyed today's message and would like to listen again, just visit theopenword.com. There are several other teachings that we encourage you to download, share, and listen to anywhere you go. We know it can be hard to find time in this busy world to sit and study the Bible in depth, but we've tried to make it a little easier. Pastor David's insights into God's Word can be taken with you on the go, filling those pauses in your day with promises and truth. We're so glad we can provide these Bible studies for you through the ministry of the Open Word. We'd like to ask you, though, to be a part of what we're doing here. With more information, here's Pastor David. I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see the ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. There's much more to learn from the book of 1 Timothy, so tune in again to Pastor David's teaching on The Open Word.